Blog Talk Radio. Mark Carroll is going to be joining us. And talking to we had some technical difficulties. I think we got them straightened out, got them taken care of, and we're back and ready to go. Again, this is Go For Block Talk Radio.com slash P Gant. I am your host for the next hour and a half. We're talking sports, having fun doing it. Again, a great show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by Hawks forward Demari Carroll. Demari Carroll, great NBA season for him. He He's going to get paid this offseason. And so that's good to be him at this point in time. But he's going to get paid in this offseason. Obviously, he's going to make a bunch of money. And his Hawks, you know, had a very successful year. They lost to the Cavaliers, got swept in the conference finals. But at the end of the day, no one expected the Hawks to win 60 ball games. No one. So this season was a success on many levels. But we're going to talk to Jamari Carroll and also – uh, Ryder University assistant basketball coach, the guy we've been talking to throughout the course of these NBA playoffs, and we're going to talk to him into the finals. Marlon Gill will be joining us as we uh, talk about what we saw last night, game one in Golden State. The Warriors beat the Cavaliers in overtime. What a game it was, but here's the big story. Here's the big takeaway at this point in time. Kyrie Irving out for the season, out for the series dislocated kneecap, he's done, he's gone. Now, obviously, not dislocated, I'm sorry, he broke it. Broken kneecap for Kyrie Irving, out for the season, out for the uh, uh, the series. And some may say now the Cavaliers' hopes for winning this particular NBA Finals is now out the door. I mean, coming into the series, I had the Cavaliers winning in six. And I tweeted last night, my mind was telling me no, but my body, my body was telling me yes, and my body told me to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I went with my body. Maybe I should have went with my mind. But the Cavaliers now down one nothing, and now down their second-best player. They're down their, 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 
LeBron now goes into this series without his Robin. Well, you can argue Kevin Love was his Robin, and he lost his Robin in the first round. Now he loses Kyrie Irving, and it's the second year in a row. Last year, Dwayne Wade was limited. And now LeBron James is now on his own. LeBron James now has become Allen Iverson. He's become the, – the Cavaliers have become the 2001 76ers. Now at this point in time, reality is, if the Cavaliers want to win this series, LeBron James has to play a lot like he played last time. Not like how he played in overtime where Andre Iguodala did a solid job on him, limiting some of his uh, – you know, making it harder for him to score. He made it hard on him. Athletic. Uh, Andre Iguodala has always been a top-notch defender. Doug Collins talked about it last night, and I remember that series against the Miami Heat. Andre Iguodala at times played well against LeBron James, guarded him well at times in that particular series. Andre Iguodala is a solid defender, and that's the, the beauty of what the Golden State Warriors have and what they bring to the table. I mean, they Andre Iguodala can start on a lot of basketball teams. He could definitely start on a lot of teams, for sure. And he's coming off the bench. And that's the beauty of what the Golden State Warriors are. They're a deep basketball team. And from top to bottom coming into this series, I said they were the better basketball team. They were the deeper, better basketball team coming into this series. They were. And Andre Iguodala shows their depth. He he epitomizes how deep this basketball team is. Last night, he came in and he gave solid minutes on LeBron James. You look at it. The defenders in Le- against LeBron James. All all other players, 25, uh, 25 plays. Andre Iguodala went 19 plays on him. LeBron had 27 points against the other guys in the other 27, 25 plays. But against Andre Iguodala, 19 plays, 11 points, 4 for 14, 3 turnovers. LeBron James was 2 for 7 from the field, 2 turnovers in the fourth quarter into overtime. Against everybody else, 25 plays, 27 points on 12 for 22 from the field. So he was dominating everybody else except Andre Iguodala. And Andre Iguodala slowed LeBron James down. He slowed him down. Can't stop him, but you can slow him. Andre Iguodala did just that. He slowed LeBron James down, slowed down the king, slowed the king down. And now – and you look at this game. I look at this game – and I felt like, you know what, Cavaliers let one slip away. This was their game, in my opinion, for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. And you could just – Golden State didn't play their best basketball game last night. You know, Draymond Green didn't do much. Klay uh, Thompson struggled from the field. He didn't end up with 21 points, but he was 5 for 14 from the field. Draymond Green, 4 for 13 from the field. And, you know, they got points and they got sparks from Andre Iguodala, who had 15 points off the bench and did a great job on LeBron James. 
And also, Mo Spates, Maurice Spates, who came off the bench. You know, they dusted Mo Spates off, came off the bench, and had eight points last night. So those two guys, they epitomize how deep the Golden State Warriors team is. Those two guys came off the bench and made a, they made a huge difference. Conversely, the Cavaliers, you know, J.R. Smith was the guy that they brought off the bench and the only guy that scored. James Jones came off the bench, took one shot, didn't make it. And Matthew Dellavedova gave you nine minutes and didn't make anything. And, and I'll say this about Dellavedova. You know, obviously Kyrie Irving was rolling last night. You know, he, had 40, he played 44 minutes, but he was 10 for 22 from the field. He played some great basketball, made some great plays, none greater than that block shot against Steph Curry in regulation there. You thought Steph Curry was going for a layup, and Kyrie Irving comes out of nowhere, gets a fingertip on the ball. But I look at it, and Kyrie Irving was rolling last night, so you, you, you wouldn't expect to see a lot of Della Vadova, especially the way Kyrie Irving was playing last night. But now, the issue, there's no Kyrie Irving. So I guess now Mike Miller is going to have to give you some minutes. I guess now maybe Sean Marion will give you some minutes. But I, I, we'll see if Della Dover goes into a starting lineup, and we'll see maybe they bring J.R. Smith into the lineup. And here's the thing coming into the series. When he said that J.R. Smith was the second-best player for the Cavaliers, he was going to have to be the second-best player. He's the second-best player with no Kevin Love. And obviously would have limited Kyrie Irving now would have gone Kyrie Irving. Here's the thing about J.R. Smith. He can be 3-for-13 th- like he was last night, only scored nine points. Or he can be... Uh, you know, he could, he's streaky, so he could be 10 for 10 and, and make every any and everything, make crazy shots left and right. He can be that guy. He can most definitely be that guy. But now he has – well, now he has to be that guy. He, he, he's got to be that guy. He's got to be your number two guy. This ain't the Atlanta Hawks. This is not the Atlanta Hawks. This Warriors team scores the basketball. This Warriors team defends the basketball. LeBron James, 18 for 38, 44 big points rolling. I thought as I'm going through the fourth quarter and he's hitting big shot after big shot that he was going to put the Cavaliers over the top. I thought he was going to carry them through. He had that shot overtime uh, and at the end of regulation. And I thought he should have took it to the cup. I thought he, I thought he settled for that step-back jumper. I thought he should have took it to the cup, put the pressure on the Warriors' defense, and also put the pressure on the officials to possibly make a call. That's what I thought he should have did. But he decided on the step-back. It missed. In overtime, the Cavaliers only scored two points. And at that point, Kyrie goes down, and they're pretty much done. And who knows? And if you look at the shot, if you, I mean, obviously this is, this is purely speculation on my part. But that's what we do in sports radio. We, we speculate, we predict, and we make assumptions. That's, all we, that's what we do. And I look at that particular shot. Hypothetically, if the shot went, if he makes the shot, well, guess what? Cavaliers win the game. 
Kyrie Irving is still healthy, and we go into a game two. And he doesn't have to play the extra minute. He doesn't have to play those extra minutes in overtime where ultimately he got hurt and where ultimately the season ended for him and maybe the championship hopes of the Cavaliers ended the same way on that same night, on that same play. It may have ended for everybody in terms of the Cleveland Cavaliers and their hopes of winning a championship and LeBron James' hopes of winning a third NBA title. LeBron has to be extra special now. And he, he, he's got to be extra special. He's got to be – the. He, He's got to play the role, and he's played this role in a lot of levels. But this is the, this, you know, the, the role that Allen Iverson played, who had a big time playoff run, a big time playoff run, an MVP season, which ended at the hands of the LA Lakers, Kobe and Shaq, who stood in front of a bunch of different players and a bunch of different teams. But it ended against the Lakers, and now you look at. This situation, you look at what LeBron James has to do at this point. And here's the thing. I was watching this game, and I was thinking about Allen Iverson's performance in game one. You know, the numbers are, are fairly similar. Game one, the, the last time the NBA Finals game, uh, went to overtime, um, game one where you saw Allen Iverson go for 48 points, who went 18 for 41 from the field, who played, you know, big-time basketball, big-time effort, and they had Sixers escape in overtime. And, and as you watch that game, you know, Lakers jumped out early on the Sixers. Sixers made a run, had a little lead. And Lakers made a big run in that third and the fourth quarter. Ultimately, it got to overtime. Ultimately, the Sixers were able to make some big shots. But when it got to overtime, you thought the Sixers were done. And it was a similar feeling last night. You may have thought that the Cavaliers were done when they got to overtime. And the Sixers found a way to win. Obviously, Allen Iverson made some big shots. But the Cavaliers weren't able. LeBron James went cold. The team went cold. And now they're down 0-1. And now they're down 0-1 with Kyrie Irving on the outside looking in. Uh, Kyrie Irving now in a suit. Suit and tie. Now that changes things. And now at this point, you know, you may have favored the Golden State Warriors coming into this series, but now at this point, you favor the Golden State Warriors even more. You know, now, I mean, I said Cavaliers in six coming into this series, and I got to stick with that. But if I was to change, I would say probably the Warriors in six, maybe even five, because this is a deeper basketball team. This is uh, the better basketball team from top to bottom. LeBron James, and, you know, Mark Jackson said LeBron James, the baddest dude on the planet. He's got to be the baddest dude on the planet and then some. He can do it. He, He can be that dude. He is the baddest dude on the planet. He can be that guy. But will it even be enough? I mean, we saw 44 big points last night. That wasn't even enough. And Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, you could argue, had off nights. They had off nights. 
So now LeBron James has to be, and, and, you know, a lot of people say, you know, LeBron James, that's not his game necessarily, you know, putting up 38 shots. And it's not. You know, obviously he's, he's a guy who likes to facilitate as well. He's a guy who likes to get others involved. A lot of isolation plays last night for the Cavaliers. Their offense was essentially an isolation-type offense. They isolated LeBron James a lot. And he got his. But everybody else didn't. Everybody else wasn't able to chip in. Mozgov gave him big-time minutes and and put up 16 big points. And Tristan Thompson, points-wise, was limited. But rebounds, he was doing his thing, 15 boards. But Kyrie Irving, he was rolling. And now you don't have him. And I'm just trying to figure out anyway, other than LeBron James being extra special, extra superhuman, human, extra bad dude, I, I can't figure out any way. I'm trying to figure it out, how they can win this series. And I, I, I'm, I'm coming up with blanks at this point in time. I really am. But it's going to be fun. It would have been a lot better if Kyrie Irving was healthier. A lot better if, if Kevin Love was healthy. You know, not healthier if they were just both healthy. Season engine injuries for these guys. But much better if they weren't, you know, that wasn't the case for those guys. And you wonder. I mean, LeBron James is loose is used, excuse me, to playing these amount of games. He's used to playing a hundred plus games. You know, he's done it the past five seasons. You know, a long eighty two game schedule and into the playoffs playing a bunch of different ball games. You know, he's used to playing, you know, 90-plus games in a season. You know, Kyrie Irving has never gotten this far. You know, he's never been to the playoffs. Kevin Love, he's never been to the playoffs, never tasted it before. And and these guys now, you know, LeBron James knows what it takes, you know, in terms of durability and everything and preparing your body to, to, you know, get through this grind. Not only the grind of the regular season, but the grind of the playoffs. LeBron James knows what it takes. And these guys never been to here before. And I'm not saying that's the reason they got injured. But it could be a possibility, you know, just not, you know, preparing your body to go 90-plus games. <coughs> Excuse me. Preparing your body to do that. It's not a small order. It's a tall task. It's a very tall task. And not many can do it. Not many can, can navigate it. Not many can, can you know, and we see a lot of injuries this year. I mean, a lot of injuries. The OKC season essentially was wiped away because of injuries. You know, they, they were wiped away. And even, you know, as I said last week, the final four teams, you know, the healthiest team is the Golden State Warriors. And that might be one of the reasons they win, ultimately win the NBA Finals. The, the Hawks were beat up and banged up. You know, they were they were beat up and banged up, you know. Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver, you know, they were beat up and banged up. The Houston Rockets, another team. Dwight Howard was beat up and banged up. They lost their point guard, Patrick Beverly. They lost him during the regular season, but he was a big part of what they did. You know, Jason Terry became the starting point guard, and Jason Terry is better suited coming off the bench and, and giving you those points off your bench. Patrick Beverly's an energy guy a solid defender, and a guy who, who maybe uh, could, you know, have limited Steph Curry throughout the course of that particular series. And you even look at, ultimately, the, the Cavaliers. 
and Kyrie and Kevin Love. The healthiest team might be the team that wins it all, and that's the Golden State Warriors. And health, you know, you need you, you need uh, health. You need, in order for to win a championship, you need a lot of things to go your way. And one of the way, one of the things that can go your way is health. And when health goes your way, well, guess what? You have an opportunity to win. And the Golden State Warriors have been a, a healthy team throughout this season. And it's fitting that the healthiest team might be winning it all. And, and that's just the way it's, it's looking right now. You know, the Hawks were limited not to say it would have made a difference. The Rockets were limited not to say it would have made a difference. And, and the uh, Cavaliers are limited. I think it would have made a difference if if, if Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Love were both healthy. I definitely think it makes a difference because now you have a team that can score with the Golden State Warriors. And instead of asking J.R. Smith to give you uh, big-time points and give you big-time nights and give you big-time minutes and, and, you know, quality minutes, you know, now you're you before you had it where, you know, Kevin Love was an option. Kyrie Irving was an option. Obviously, you had LeBron James. So, theoretically, you had three options before you even had to get to J.R. Smith. Now, J.R. Smith becomes that second option. Shumpert, uh, you know, Mozgov, Thompson has to give you more. Obviously, you've got to, you got to see if you can get something from Mike Miller, Della Vadova. You know, it's it's totally different situation. The way the Cavaliers came into the playoffs, and the way they were configured and what they needed to do and how they needed to play now has totally changed. Totally changed. And now LeBron James has to become an Allen Iverson. He can do it, but he has to become that guy. And time will tell if, well, we all know what happened to Allen Iverson and the Sixers. They just didn't have enough. They ran into Shaq and Kobe. They ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into a better basketball team, flat out, point blank. And you could argue now at this point that the, uh, the Cavaliers have just ran into a better basketball team. And more importantly, they ran into a healthier basketball team. And you can't, you, you can't get it outscored 34-9 uh, by your, the Golden State bench who came in and just gave them big-time minutes. That can't happen. You got to get more. Everybody's got to give you more. Everybody. So, it, it obviously changes things, and we'll see what happens in game two. Game two is going to be interesting. I don't know how they can get it done, and I'm talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point. I don't know. Let's go to Allen Iverson. Um, there's a book out about Allen Iverson um, and you know his life. Uh, not a game written by Kent Bath, and it talks and it, the title "Not a Game: The Incredible Rise and the Unthinkable Fall of Allen Iverson." In this book, you know he talks about the practice rant. You know you're talking about practice, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice, not a game. We're talking about practice, but anyway, that rant and um. You know, now, you know, Kent Babb in the book, he's saying that, you know, he's gotten some interviews with, with Billy King and, and uh, Larry Brown. 
in this book, and you know, it also talked to, to Pat Croce as well. But anyway, you know, he's saying Allen Iverson's come out today and denied these allegations and these accusations. He said he wasn't drunk at that point in time. But you know, Larry Brown did say talk about that. You know, maybe LeBron, uh, Allen Iverson went out and had a little fun before he went to that press conference, and ultimately he came back and. You know, maybe he was a little liquored up. Maybe he was a little, you know, a little under the weather, if you will. You know, maybe he was he was feeling it. You know, he was buzzing at that point in time because he was feeling it, because he was buzzing. You know, he just, you know, went off. Brown said in the book, quote, I assumed he went and fooled around somewhere. And the author saying that Brown was tipping his hand up like a bottle. And we all know Allen Iverson's had some issues with drinking over the years. You know, he's had some issues with that. And, you know, he's, it could be one of the reasons not playing today. Well, obviously, he may not be playing right now, but one of the reasons his career ended maybe a little before it could have, and also his ego. But, you know, I'm an Allen Iverson guy. I, I, you know, I, I love Allen Iverson. I love the way he played. You know, I, I loved the energy that he brought to the Wells Fargo Center, the what, what it was called at the time. I, I loved, you know, the first, what was it, first union center at the time. I mean, I loved what he brought to the table. And, and and he gave you his all night in, night out. And he also partied hard night in and night out. As hard as he played on the basketball court is how hard he went off the basketball court in terms of partying and in and, and terms of, you know, living it up, doing everything like it's his last day. And, and that's the way he played. He said he always wanted to play. He played every game like it was his last. And he lived his life like every day like it was his last. And part of that could be the reason why he's had some, you know, it's been speculated that he had some money problems. Had some money problems because he did everything and lived everything and did everything like it was his last. And then think about tomorrow. But anyway, if these allegations are true, I'm not surprised. You know, I know he denies it, and, and that's not surprising that he denied it. Um, I'm not surprised, you know. I'm not remotely surprised. Um, you know, there's been other, there, you know, some other allegations in this book talked about, uh, you know, him and his wife, and, you know, he uh, said some things to his wife allegedly. I mean, this is in the book. This is not me saying it. I, I, you know, I wouldn't know. I wasn't there for any of that stuff. But this is in and from his book the book, Kent Babb's book, and talking about Allen Iverson. You know, he talked a bunch of different things, Allen Iverson, in terms of some, some spousal abuse with his wife, Tawana. And, um, and did Tawana tell you that? Tawana tell you that? You remember that? But anyway, um, so there's a lot of different things coming from it, and it's not really glowing for Allen Iverson. Here's some of the things talked about in the book and you know here's some of the things that you know may have transpired may not have transpired who knows but anyway in the book they talked about Iverson once threatened his wife Tawana that he would pay a man 5000 to have her killed this is from the book this is not me talking this is the book talking this is Ken Babb talking and the people that he interviewed talking also Iverson said that he would pay someone a million dollars to testify in divorce court. He told Tawana this, that he paid somebody a million dollars to testify in divorce court that they had an affair with her. So, you know, I don't know. 
again, not me talking. This is the book, Alan. Can't uh, Bab, Bab excuse me? And is the book, and this is the book talking. Also, you know, Tawana again accused Iverson of, of instances of spousal abuse. Uh, one instance that he, he apparently she he stepped on her bare foot and grinded his boot into her hip, group. Excuse me, grinded his boot heel into it. Also punching her in the back while laughing out loud. That's a kidney shot. Also talked about Alan Iverson being a absent, you know, being a guy that wasn't really a good father. Um, you know, including situations where he left young kids in a hotel room one night while he was out getting his drink on. He also went on to tell his sons that quote, "You ain't a real and were you a white boy? You preppy? You a rich boy?" Also talked about Allen Iverson and his workout habits. That you know he never really worked out, and he sometimes ate hot dogs uh, before you know before taking the court before a game. And obviously, you know Allen Iverson has had some ups and downs throughout the course of his career and even post career. You know, according to Stephen A. Smith, he is back with his wife, and you know he's doing better down his back with his wife. They have reconciled. They worked it out, and they were, they were it was messy for a little bit of time there. It was real messy between those two, uh, Iverson and Tawana. And here's the thing, you know, maybe he did these things, maybe he didn't. But you know, these things were years ago, and you know, I, I'm not one of these guys who like to hold on to 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 things like that. Meaning, if you know, you did something, and I, I like to give guys an opportunity and afford guys an opportunity for change. And maybe Allen Iverson has changed. Maybe he hasn't. But I think he deserves that opportunity, minus the judgment. Because it's so easy to judge. It's so easy to have an opinion without knowing what's going through the head and the mind of the player, of the person, of the man. I'm not, if these allegations are true, they're wrong. I mean, we all know Allen Iverson probably wasn't faithful to his wife. We all know he loved to party. And you know what comes with party? Sex, drugs. Maybe no drugs, but sex and alcohol. I can't say drugs. But sex and alcohol at least. And so I look at the situation. I look at the book. And at this point, you know, they may it might all be true. And if it is true, I wouldn't be surprised if it was true. I'm not going to sit here and say, Alan, Alan Iverson would never do that. I don't know him enough to say that. I don't know him, to, know him enough to say it either way. It also talks about, you know, Alan Iverson blowing off appearances and things of that nature. That's nothing new. That's nothing new when it comes to Alan Iverson. That's nothing new at all. You know? But, again, it's not for me to judge whether these – I mean, I, I can't judge them. If they're true, shame on them. If it's not true, shame on the author, Kent Bad for writing it. Shame on him. But if it's true, then, uh, you know, I, if it's true, it's true. But also, if it's true, I hope Alan Iverson has changed. I hope Alan Iverson is becoming a better person. Time will tell. Time will be the judge. 
of whether or not that truly is the case. Last hour, go for it. Starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. Second hour of Go For It. Started right now. In this hour, expect to be joined by Hawks forward Damari Carroll. Also, Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill will be joining us to talk talk all things NBA Finals. And we, we sat down with uh, Damari Carroll on Wednesday. We talked to him. Um, so that was obviously before game one of the finals. But, we you know, we talked about a bunch of different things. Great interview. You know, Damari Carroll, you, you got ex- to be excited for a guy like Damari Carroll. Came up in the NBA the hard way, you know, and, and, and made himself, grinded out and made himself a commodity, made himself a guy that a lot of people want. Made himself a very uh, a guy that's going to get paid. You know, I'm seeing you know somewhere in the line of four, four years, fifty million. You know, ten, twelve million dollars per year for this guy, and he grinded out. And the Hawks have been a great situation for him. I mean, the Hawks have have uh, you know in a lot of ways they, they they've they've uh, put set up a system. Coach Budenheiser Hauser, excuse me, set up a system where DeMar and Carroll can flourish, shoot threes, and, you know, get it done. The system has been very beneficial to DeMar and Carroll. He's had a lot of success in that system. And that's part, you know, hard work, grinding out, and the system may have gotten DeMar and Carroll a nice little fat payday coming this summer. He's going to get paid, and he's going to make himself a boatload of money. Let's bring in that in. We're going to bring in that interview now with DeMar and Carroll. Let's bring him in now, Hawks forward, Damari Carroll. Damari, how are you, man? What's going on, brother? Thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate it. Damari, you guys win 60 games, get to the conference finals, and ultimately you get swept by the Cavaliers. In your mind, what went wrong against the Cavs? Uh, I think they just came out the more aggressive team. Um, we came out a little lackadaisical, especially at home. So I think that was the biggest key. But uh, when you lose those first two games at home, it's kind of hard to get back on uh, the uphill battle. Do you think it was a case of, of, of you guys being on that stage for the first time in the conference finals, a lot of you guys? Uh, no. I think the first game, we kind of let it slip away from us. We had a, we came out the first half really aggressive, and I think the second half we didn't come out with the same energy. And, um uh, and then after that, everything started going downhill as far as me getting injured to Kyle Corbett getting injured to Allen throwing out the game, Chev and Matt getting injured. So uh, it was a lot of obstacles against us, but, um, you know, we got to look forward to next year. Do you think if Corbett was healthy, healthy if you had Cephalosha, do you think you guys uh, would have had a much better chance and ultimately would have won this series? Oh, most definitely. 
since the combo, man. He's a, he's a well-known defender. Uh, he's an all-successful guy. So adding him would have been a big a, a big boost for us. And uh, Kyle Corbett, on the same token, uh, him getting hurt, that kind of hurt us. But uh, at the end of the day, man, we battled. When we went to Cleveland game three, I think we should have won that game. But uh, we kept battling. At the end of the day, man, we learned a lot from this series. For sure. And you guys, uh, and you, you got hurt in game one. Many thought it was a serious knee injury. What was going through your head when that injury happened? Did you think it was serious? Uh, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, at the time, it hurt worse than it did when the time I got back in a couple of hours uh, when I was on the training table. But uh, I was just trying to, uh, man, I don't know what was going through my head. I was just... I couldn't even, I was just, like, this whole season, you know, I get to this point and get injured, but at the same time, man, uh, I think all my preparation and all the things I did leading up to this summer, leading up to the series, probably helped me in that case for my body not breaking down. We're talking to Hawks forward Damari Carroll, and Damari, was there any thought uh, of you sitting out the rest of the series, especially with the opportunity of you having that big payday in the off season? <laughs> not for me. Uh, I think my coaches and um, my teammates, they were really surprised I came back. Some of the doctors were even like, wow, he came back because because uh, they thought it was still an injury that, you know, that I would have been out for a couple of weeks. But at the same token, man, um, I really didn't care too much. I was just trying to go keep fighting for my team, keep fighting with my teammates, uh, hoping to try to win the series, but it didn't happen. How limited were you to rest of the series? Uh, I was living the big time. Because uh, at the same token, many people didn't know it, it was my knee, but it was also I had turf toe, so it was all on the same leg. So basically I was just out there on one leg. But at the same token, man, I got out there and I gave him my all. And uh, at the end of the day, we still came up short at the same. And one of the big things in the series against the Cavaliers was Matthew Delavadova and his play against Kyle Corver, his play against Al Horvath, ultimately, Horvath was ejected. In your mind, is Matthew Delavadova a dirty player? Uh, never, never, I don't think he's a dirty player. I just think he's, uh, he's just a fine line where, uh, you know, playing hard and playing physical and, and playing crazy and, uh, you know, diving at a guy's legs in the NBA is really not the way to go with at the same token, I think he just a hard competitor. You know, he's from Australia, so um, he just go out there and compete. But I don't think he's a dirty player. I just think, you know, sometimes he just get caught up playing too hard, playing a little bit crazy. We're talking to Hawks forward, Damari Carroll. And you guys jumped out of the gate pretty well. You had a 19-game winning streak. You kind of slumped near the end of the season. In some respects, did you guys peak too soon? Now let me ask you this now. You said you're, as a team you guys learned a lot. What do you feel like you guys need to do to take that next step and the next step is ultimately going to the NBA Finals? What do you feel like you guys need to do? Um, I just think keep doing what we've been doing. Uh, I think it's, it's more mental. We have to 
get a better mental approach as far as the team. You know, like I said before, uh, we took our foot off the gas. I think uh, we should have took our foot off the gas towards the end of the season. I think they had a big, you know, it was more mental than physical. So uh, I think that's just something we have to learn. I think we learned throughout the series. Now, there is a belief around the NBA among fans, fans, among some writers, that you need a superstar to win in the NBA. You need a LeBron. You need a Steph Curry. Do you feel like you guys, the Atlanta Hawks, need a superstar? Um, it's just a lot of people, what do you define a superstar? That, that, that's a question a lot of people have asked. Uh, we have four all-stars, and uh, – I think you can put certain guys on our team on different teams and, and just let them have the ultimate green light and don't play on selfish basketball. And I think they they can become a superstar. So my question is, what 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 do you define a superstar? But at the same token, um, I think team basketball can win at a high level. Uh, San Antonio do it year after year after year. So um, I think it's 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 capable, and I think we can accomplish. Let's go to the NBA Finals now. You've got the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the NBA Finals. Who wins it and why? Uh, it's going to be a tough one. I think go to game seven. I think go um, to State because they, you know, they said they set up to have home court advantage, and I think they have a lot. They lost, like, what, one game in, uh, in their uh, arena. Since uh like the middle of the season, so I think right. they set themselves up and they have a great home crowd. So um, my pick, I think Golden State. I think they got too many shooters and uh, and they got a lot of guys. They got uh, two seven footers back there, so take a lot of pressure off those guys uh, like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. You got the you got the Warriors in how many games? I say six or seven. Six or seven, okay, all right. Let me ask you this. LeBron James is talking about and saying, you know, he's playing the best basketball of his career. Do you agree with that in watching LeBron James? Is he playing the best basketball of his career? Uh, you can make a case for that. I think he feels that because at the same token, he's, uh, I think his mental state is very, very different from early in his career or when he was with Miami. I think he understands the level he had to play at, uh, on the court, but at the same time, his mental aspect of getting other guys involved and uh, not playing one-on-one basketball the whole game is why he's saying that he's probably better because, you know, I think he just understands the game at a more mature level now than he did back back a couple of years ago. And now, Damari, for you, this summer is going to be a great summer for you. You're in line for a big payday. You're a free agent. You may sign with the Hawks. You may go elsewhere, but at the end of the day, you're going to get paid. You're a guy who worked very hard to get to this point. Put into words what it feels like to be in line for such a huge payday. Um, a lot of times, man, I think it, I just be speechless because, you know, the struggles I've been through and the obstacles I've been through throughout my life, uh, you know, to be able to reap the, the benefits and reap the reward for my family, I think is very, very valuable and very, very meaningful for me. So um, when that day comes, man, I probably swallow a lot of tears, a lot of joy, and, uh, you know, I got a couple more weeks to wait on that day. For sure. Did Two years ago when you signed with the Hawks, did you expect this? 
Uh, Coach Bud, he's a great communicator. That's why he's the coach of the year. Um, I think he really communicated with me when I was with Utah, and um, I had other offers out there, you know, other bigger offers than I did with Atlanta, but he expressed, expressed to me that, you know, he, he thought I could play a big role. He never thought I was – he never said I was going to be a starter, but he said I, I could play a big role, and uh, my position is up in the air, so – it's mine if I'm willing to take it, and uh, I, I uh, took advantage of that opportunity, and uh, it paid off for the best. No, I know you said you said in the past you wanted to be the Black Kyle Corver. How close are you to becoming the Black Kyle Corver? Uh, man, uh, I'm kind of close. I'm getting there. Okay. In the playoffs, I think. I, in the playoffs, I think I was at forty percent. So yeah. I'm getting there. But to get to Kyle Corbin, you got to be like in the 45, 46. He shot that for his career. So I still got a little way to go, but at the same time, man, I just got to keep grinding. We're talking to Hawks forward Tamari Carroll. Is returning to Atlanta your first priority? Is that where you want to be? Oh, yeah. You know, Atlanta, they've been, they played a big, a major part in my life, a major part in my family's life. So, you know, it'll always be good to get back to Atlanta. And, you know, it's a great system that I. I I don't really uh, grew up in and, and you know I really kind of excelled in. But at the same token, you know, but my options are open and uh, you know hopefully it's Atlanta and uh, you know they will have they will be one of my best options. But like I said before, my options are open. Uh, Mark Barterstein, my agent, he will handle all that process and uh, he just told me to sit back and enjoy the ride. But let me ask you this, and obviously it's going to be a beautiful ride no matter what happens, but two big free agents, you, Paul Millsap, you guys are in line for some hefty raises. Cap-wise, it might be a little difficult for the Atlanta Hawks to make it work. Do you see you and Paul Millsap at the end of the day returning to the Atlanta Hawks next season? Yeah, I think I think they can make it happen. Um, okay. You know, you, can, you never can't say never. Uh, you know, it's just willing, you know, for them to – Go in there and create uh, space for me and Paul. But at the same token, man, I think, you know, our agent's going to do a good job of that. So we're just going to try to stay out the way. And uh, if it happens, uh, I, I will be full of joy. But if it don't, you know, at the same time, we got to do what's best for our family. For sure. We're talking to Hawks forward Damari Carroll. And I saw some places where there's a possibility, man, you you could be in line for something along the lines of a four-year, $50 million contract, whether it's with the Hawks or elsewhere. So, you know, you're talking about $10, 12000000 million a year for you, man. So life is going to be great for Damari Carroll. Damari, you did big things on the court. You're doing big things off the court with the Carroll Family Foundation. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah, that's the foundation that I found probably a month, a month and a half ago, me and my fiance uh, really started this foundation and, uh we're just trying to bring awareness to pediatric liver disease. Uh, as many know, you know, uh, I was diagnosed with a, a liver disease uh, while I was in college, a junior in college, junior slash senior in college. So um, it's something that's deeper in our heart and, and my family heart. So um, we're just trying to bring awareness. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the liver is not really a saturated market and people really don't understand a lot about the liver. So uh, we're just trying to bring awareness about it. You also have a basketball camp coming up in July. Tell us about that. Yeah, I actually got three of them. I got one in Missouri, uh, next level basketball camp, and I got one in Atlanta. Uh, I, the one in Atlanta is uh, 
July the 29th through the 31st, and then I got one in Birmingham. So um, you can go to my website, damaricarroll5.com, and uh, you can sign up there. I think it's going to be a good camp for a lot of kids because, you know, when I was growing up, I never had the luxury of, uh, you know, going out, playing with an NBA player, you know, learning from an NBA player. Um, so I think it'll be big for a lot of kids. So hopefully everybody can sign up and um, they go to my website and sign up. For sure. Fans, make sure you go to his website, DamariCarroll5.com. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at DamariCarroll1, and support all the great things going on with Damari Carroll, man. You, this is going to be a great summer for you, man. And when you sign that contract, I will be calling and I will be asking if I could hold something. You got me? <laughs> I got you, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Damari, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. All right. Thank you, brother. Damari Carroll forward for the Atlanta Hawks for now. And pleasure talking to him again. Support all the great things going on with him at Damari Carroll 1. And also go to his website, DamariCarroll5.com and support all the great things going on with Damari Carroll, who's in line again for a hefty, hefty, hefty payday. I mean, it's exciting to be Damari Carroll right now. I mean, it, it, he's in line for a huge one, man. Huge payday. An exciting payday. You know, uh, woo! I wish I was Damari Carroll right now. If I could be anybody, I wish I was Damari Carroll. Maybe. But he's in line with his, for a huge payday. He's going to make a lot of money. And uh, he, he deserves it. I mean, he worked hard to get to this point, to get to this position in his career. Worked very hard, and I can't, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna. He's really worked hard to get into the position that he's in, and he's had a, you know, he's obviously the type of success that that the Hawks had was a byproduct of what Demari Carroll had. Uh, the type of success Demari Carroll had, he was a big reason why the Hawks had the type of success that they did, and it was a team: Teague, Horford, Millsap, you know, Carroll, Corver. You know, all those guys had big-time years for the Atlanta Hawks. They came together, and they were a team, and they, but they just didn't have enough at the end of the day to beat King James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Appreciate Demari Carroll for stopping by. Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, whatever you want to call him, her, let's just say her. Caitlyn Jenner came out. Bruce Caitlin came out this week, and you know what was on the uh, Vanity Fair magazine cover. As a woman, you know he's going through the process. He's going through the process of becoming a woman at this point in time. And you know it was, it was obviously a lot of fanfare. What a million Twitter followers in like an hour for for Caitlyn Jenner. I mean that's just crazy. And you know his interview did big time ratings. A lot of people are talking about it, you know, and it's a major, major, major story. And here's my thing, you know, and, and now I'm for an ESPY Award, the author, Arthur Ashe, excuse me, Courage Award. So he, he, he's in line for an ESPY. He's in line for an ESPY. You know, Arthur Ashe Courage Award. 
And I look at the situation. Obviously, you know, there there is thing. You know, there's you know Lauren Hill, the the woman, the the girl, nineteen year old girl who had cancer, bat, battled brain cancer. Uh, you know, she stayed on the basketball team. She was able to play. They they you know set the season up where she could play and everything. And I look at the situation with Lauren Hill, and that's great. That's very courageous. That's something that doesn't happen every day. You know, there are people out there, you see people changing genders a lot more than you see people fighting brain cancer and playing basketball. You see it more often than that. Then then, then you see people, um, you know, you see people more often than not. I mean, you see people, you know, switching genders more than you see people uh, playing basketball or brain cancer. That's a definite. You see it more. But here's the thing. And I look at uh, this young lady, Lauren Hill, and, you know, obviously, to me, that's very courageous. And, you know, here's the thing about Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, and this whole situation. I'm a little cynical of it. And, and for, for for this reason, he's a part of that Kardashian brand. And, and that Kardashian brand, um, you know, Kim Kardashian, she became a star because of that sex tape with Ray J. And it, it grew from there. And, and, and kudos to... to Chris uh, Jenner and, and the Kardashians and the you know the, the the strategies and the strategizing and everything going on behind the scenes with that whole situation and and and, and pushing the Kardashians out there and growing their brand and making it a very successful brand. You, you got to give them credit for that. Hate them, love them. You got to give them credit for what they did and you know for 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 growing that brand. You got to give them credit and. His thing, and that's why I become a little cynical. Is this a, a, a ploy by Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, to to rebrand himself, reinvent himself, and allow more money to flow in? Because the, 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 the popularity is crazy. You know, popularity was was big time with the with the Kardashians. Now, the popularity increases, and now, you know. Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, he becomes bigger than he was when he was a big-time athlete doing big-time things in the Olympics. He's bigger now. And now he's reinvented himself, rebranded himself, and now the more money flows in. You can call it heroic or, or courageous, and here's what I'll say about that. Maybe on some level it is, but here's also the thing. By him coming out, you know, it might be a little uncomfortable for him if it's legit. And I think it's natural for us to be cynical, being that he is a part of the Kardashian brand. But anyway, here's the thing. Is it really that heroic when you know the money at the end of the rainbow? When you, you know that, uh, you know, you got an interview coming and there's going to be something there. you got a reality show coming on after that. you got more reality TV. You know, so you're bringing in now more money with that reality TV dollars. You reinvented, you rebranded yourself, and now you become bigger. Again, I mean, if 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 it's if it's in fact true and real that he this is what he wants and this is how he wants to live his life, so be it. It's not my life; it's his life. Not for me to judge. This is the way he wants to live. So be it. Not me; it's him. 
But at the end of the day, and, and, and you know, ratings-wise, you know, that interview did super crazy numbers. And now he he gets the Arthur Ashe Courage Arthur Ash Courage Award was the Courage Award, and and now you imagine the ratings for the ESPYS. Can you imagine the ratings for the ESPYS? Uh, a very slow sports night at that point in time. You know, the, the baseball is on the all-star break. The ESPYs are on, and you got Bruce Jenner on there, Caitlyn Jenner on there, and can you imagine the ratings? The ratings are going to be crazy. The ratings are going to be off the charts. You know, a lot of people are going to, what is he going to, what, what is uh, she going to wear? What are they going to? I mean, what is what is what what is Bruce Caitlin going to wear? And you know, I'm reading page six in the Post, New York Post, and you know, some people are saying that there's some rumors out there that that interview that Bruce Jenner, Caitlin, he was Bruce at the time, the the interview that he gave might have been because you know he was possibly promised. An ESPY award. Do the interview. You get an ESPY. It, it's it's going to be an absolute ratings bonanza. It, it, the ratings are going to be off the chart for the Caitlyn Jenner interview. Uh, when she gets her award, it's going to be crazy. Might be the highest rated ESPYs ever. And, you know, ESPN can say what it wants. But I'm very cynical about this. I mean, they, they can say what they want, but it, 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 it's suspect that Caitlyn Jenner gets the award, and we know a million followers and about an hour. We know uh, not only that, but we also know um, him, uh, you know, her, not only with the million followers an hour, but also, also, the ratings that they got for that interview with Diane Sawyer. I mean, it, 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 it's if you're ESPN, ABC, and the Disney Walt Disney Company, I guess you can make some. You can definitely put together a conversation and 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 rationalize why. Caitlyn Jenner should get this award. You can definitely do it, and ESPN has done it. You know, they said, quote, they said to Fox 411 that many people are discussed every year. There's no such thing as a runner-up. They also provided a written statement that said Jenner was chosen to help move forward to constructive dialogue about progress and acceptance. That's them spinning spinning it, and telling you why Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner should be, should get the Courage Award, the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Uh, nah, I mean, and there's outrage, obviously. It's just, it's just whether, I mean, anything that they say, I, I think it's going to be difficult for anybody to believe that this is other this is nothing but a ratings ploy. 
I, I don't think anybody can believe otherwise. I mean, Michael Sam, him winning the award last year, you know, they were, I, I agree. I think on some level they might have been capitalizing on, you know, the level of fame that Michael Sam had at that point in time. So it, it, it's it's definitely suspect that, that Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, is getting the Courage Award at the ESPYs. I don't think we could say it any other way at this point in time. And, again, ESPN can spin it any way they want to, but at the end of the day, it's suspect. It's suspect at the end of the day. And also at the end of the day, you know, no matter what happens, I wish Bruce, Caitlyn Jenner, nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's go back now to the NBA Finals. Obviously, uh, Kyrie Irving now going for the rest of the series, rest of the season. Cavaliers down one nothing. A great effort by LeBron James, but it wasn't enough. Golden State Warriors, they escape in overtime, get it done. The Cavaliers go cold. Golden State a little hot, and ultimately the Golden State Warriors win one nothing. But the big story now is no Kyrie Irving moving forward, and that's going to be an issue. And we'll see whether or not the Cavaliers can overcome it. We're going to bring in a guy now to answer whether or not the Cavaliers can overcome no, Kyrie Irving. Let's bring him in now. Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild. Marlon. Hey, Paul. How's it going, man? Uh, you got to excuse me a little bit, man. I had my first experience on the golf uh, golf course today, man. So uh, you know, if, if I'm a little short-winded with my answers, excuse me. <laughs> Was it fun? Uh, you know what? I- I'll say this: I have mastered how to drive a golf cart. Now, how to play on the course, uh, we're going to have to get some work in. Well, it's, it's definitely a start. You know, I tried golf uh, a few years back, and I hated it. Never went back. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe you'll hate it or maybe you'll love it. You'll go back. We'll see. <laughs> Marlon, obviously, the news, Kyrie Irving, done for the series, done for the season, out with a fractured kneecap. He's gone. Your thoughts on that? Can the Cavaliers overcome that at this point in time? Well, you know what? First and foremost, you know, a speedy recovery to, to Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, you hate to see a guy go down like that, and especially for a guy who's had to battle through adversity, you know, not just this year, but you know, pr- pretty much for his whole career from an injury standpoint. I mean, you go back to Duke when he had the uh, the toe injury that pretty much ended his his tenure there at Duke and you know now you have something like this so uh you know hopefully he, he can you know recover speed recovery and, and get back out there uh because you know we enjoy watching him play and you know going into this series and, and going into the playoffs you know you and I had a discussion of how important Kyrie Irving was you know and, and would be you know for the Cavs to win you know, an injury last night, uh, you know, is a tough one because I think I was watching him play last night, and honestly, I was saying he might have been better than Steph Curry last night until overtime. You, you know, he, he looked like he, he, he was pretty much doing what we call he was cooking Steph Curry last night, playing it to uh, and, and then he, he goes down with this injury, and um, – you know, I, I had the Cavs in seven. I still think it'll go seven, but now, you know, 
with this injury, I, I might even sway toward the Warriors now. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, Della Vadova, this, this is a tough cover for Della Vadova in this finals. You know, he had to guard, uh, you know, Derrick Rose, who wasn't at 100%, or even if he was at 100%, it's not the same Derrick Rose from three, four years ago, not the MVP Derrick Rose. And then uh, in the series against the Hawks, you know, Jeff T just wasn't there yet to be mentioned with those other elite point guards. So, you know, it was a little easy for Della Vidova, but now he's got some work. He's got some work he's got to do. You know, keeping Steph Curry in front of you is no easy task. Uh, you know, the shot is good. The handle is good. It's going to be a tough cover for Della Vidova. I might even go with Shumpert at the point guard spot a little bit just to have a little more length. But, you know, I'm at Rodgers University, David Blatt in Cleveland. <laughs> now, <laughs> you you said you might have Shumper. Would you would you even be inclined to put J.R. Smith in the starting lineup over Della Vadova and, you know, have that point forward LeBron situation where LeBron's running point? Would you be inclined to do something like that where you have some length out there? No, you know what, I, I think uh... – J.R. Smith is a guy that needs to be comfortable. And he's comfortable coming in off the bench. You know, and, and a lot of people don't understand the, the difference. They'll probably say, hey, Marlon, what are you talking about? Well, a guy that comes off the bench has a rhythm because he knows what time he's going to get in the game, you know, how long he's going to be in the game. If he's rolling, they probably leave him in a little longer. So, you know, some guys prefer that rather than, you know, putting him in a starting lineup and, you know, now he has to change up his routine and things of that nature. I, I, I don't think I would go that, that route. I would, you know, stick with Jr. on the bench. Um, and, and, you know, it's not like Della Vadova the slots on the offensive end. He can make a shot when he's open. So, you, you know, I would stick with him, have Jr. come come off the bench. And, like I said, you have LeBron at the point forward spot. But at the same time, you know, Sumper did ball when he was in college at Georgia Tech, uh, mm-hmm. and he did handle the ball a little bit for the Knicks. So, you know, it's definitely something that he's capable of doing. We're talking to Ryder, University Assistant Basketball Coach Marlon Guild. And, you know, now, obviously, it, here's my thing. And, you know, I saw last night, and you know, LeBron played well, 44 big points. Kyrie Irving also did his thing as well. You're losing that piece. So you feel like losing that piece with Kyrie Irving and still having – you know, a big-time performance by LeBron James, you still feel like the Cavaliers can still get to a possible seventh game with the Golden State Warriors? No, they can. And and the reason why I say that is this. Uh, In every series, somebody else has stepped up for Cleveland. You know what you were going to get from LeBron. Uh, You know, Kyrie pretty much didn't play in the Atlanta series. And other guys stepped up, whether it was J.R. Smith, Sumpert, and last night, or Tristan Thompson, and last night, Mozgov impressed me, and it looked like he was ready to take another step. You know, finished at the rim strong, uh, wanted to dunk everything, and those two free throws that he hit to send the game into overtime, that's huge. Not a lot of seven-footers with that kind of pressure are going to make those free throws. So, you know, he's another guy that, that I would have confidence in. Uh and you still got guys like Mike Miller, James Jones that, you know, they they, they can't play, you know, as, like they used to. They're a little crippled, but they can make shots. And it's 
it's one thing we've seen in this series, we will see in this series, I should say, it's that if you can make shots, you're always going to give yourself a chance to win. Have the Cavaliers become the 2001 Philadelphia 76ers? No, because I think I still think this Cavaliers team has better players than that 76ers team. And I don't want you to hang up the phone on me because I'm hating <laughs> on your Sixers a little bit. But, uh, you know, this Cavaliers team, individually, they have more talent than that, Cav- than, uh, than that Sixers team. Those guys knew what it took to play together. And those guys were all older, you know, more towards the uh, end of their career. Where everybody on Cleveland, man, they're still, if they're not at their prime, they're ascending to their prime. You know, so I would take this Cavalier team over this Sixers team. And another reason why I think this Cavs team is probably better than that team uh, you know, AI was six one, one eighty, soaking wet, and he had to do everything. LeBron six nine two six, he's got to do everything. So it's a little, a little different. You, you know, you, you look at LeBron and some, some of the rebounds that he grabs out the air, man. It often looks like the ball is going to just suffocate and die. You, you know, right. those are things that AI couldn't do. You know, uh, getting to the basket, they both can do it well. Obviously, you know, AI, pound for pound, the best of all time, but you're not going to try to get in front of LeBron and take a charge on him when it's coming full speed. So, you know, all those factors, I would probably still take the Cavs over the Sixers. What did you see out of LeBron James last night? You liked the way he played? I mean, you know, Jalen Rose said after the game that, you know, LeBron James, you know, took 38 shots last night, but LeBron James is more comfortable doing a little bit more facilitating than he did last night. What did you see out of LeBron James last night? He was unstoppable. And that, that's what I saw. I, I, I saw a multiplayer making money plays, you know, and, and everybody will him and haw about that last possession uh, that he settled for the jump shot. And you know what? I, I can't even fault him to a certain degree. You know, in a game like that, if you notice, there were times when Cavs would get the ball on a defensive rebound, and LeBron's looking to push it, and four of his teammates haven't even gotten to half court yet. So those guys were winded, and LeBron still pushed and trying to go. If there's one beef I did have with with his last shot, I probably thought uh, prior to that last possession, they were running uh, like ball screen actions where they would get the switch, where Steph Curry would be on LeBron. And that last possession, uh, he stepped out to try and get the ball. Rather than doing what had been working for him, you know, he came out to about 30, 32 feet to get the ball and tried to make a play from there. That hadn't been working uh, all game. All, you know, prior to that, it, it was a switch where he'd probably get a post up about 18 feet from the basket. So it, it's less work for him and, you know, to get the ball at 32 feet, now you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So that was probably the only issue I, I had with him. Uh, I, I thought even with that play, settling for the jump shot, I thought he probably could have took another dribble in. Uh, I know Draymond Green was coming in to help, but, you know, an 18-foot shot compared to a 22-plus 20, foot shot, it's a lot easier to make, you know. And I was, I was thinking he should have took it to the cup, you know, try to put some pressure 
on the Warriors' defense and also put pressure on the officials to possibly make a call in that particular situation. But well, you know, you know what? So I, 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 I would ahead. agree with you. I would agree with you with that. But you know, like you said, it's one of those things where you know, and, and I respect Jalen Rose. He's one of the best guys uh, doing it out there. But if LeBron drives to the basket and doesn't get the foul call, we're going to be looking at him and saying he didn't finish strong. Or if he drove the ball to the basket and the logical play that, that we're taught and that we teach our guys, if you drive the ball to the basket and the help steps up, somebody's open somewhere. So then he kicks the ball to somebody, we're going to have a problem with that. you know. So it, it's kind of a no-win situation uh, for LeBron. Um, and, and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's just how, how things are. We're talking to Ryder, assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. At this point now, I mean, LeBron has been special throughout the course of these playoffs, playing some big-time basketball. In my mind, he has to be extra special. I mean, he, he, you know, Mark Jackson was calling him a bad, the baddest dude on the planet. He has to be the baddest dude on the planet in my mind and then some. Does he have to play now, you know, like Allen Iverson did in some level, you know, 30 shots and so on and so forth? Does he have to be extra special in order for the Cavs to win? No, I don't think he does because, like I said, uh, he has more help than Iverson did. I mean, you know, you know that team better than I do uh, in 2001. Iverson, you know, in driving kick situations, well, you know, then you're stuck with George Lynch, Aaron McKee, Tyrone Hill. <laughs> six, oh, oh six man of the year award winner, Aaron McKee, that year. No, and, 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 and <laughs> that, that's no knock on, on those guys, but LeBron is just surrounded with, Better guys. I mean, in a driving kick, let's say if he dumps it off to a big, Tristan Thompson or Mozgov, they're finishing above the rim. Matumbo's not doing that. Tyrone Hill isn't doing that. Uh, driving kick situation, I'm probably going to live with J.R. Smith taking a shot rather than Aaron McKee and uh, George Lynch. And no, no knock on those guys. I just think these guys are younger. Uh, and a little better than that Sixers team. Well, let, let me ask you this, and, and you know, here's this was my thinking as that game ended last night. I feel like on some level, Golden State stole that particular game because obviously you had a big performance by LeBron, you had a big performance by Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving, and you know, Clay Thompson. I know he finished with 21 points, but he really didn't shoot the ball well. Draymond Green, you know, he struggled from the field as well. Uh, the Golden State was there for the taking, and I feel like. You know, they they almost stole that game last night. Did you feel the same way? You know what? And it's funny. I I was listening to a a radio show uh, yesterday afternoon, and it was all about if Cleveland could contain the 10-12-0 run that Golden State is known to Mm -hmm. make and, and almost go for the knockout blow. And it was almost the opposite of that early on in the game. You know, Cleveland came out, made shots, and, it was, I think one thing that nobody's uh, really saying is in the finals, everything's different. So there's more media, you know, more lights flashing and things of that nature. Well, Le- LeBron has been to a finals. He understands that. James Jones has been to a finals. He's a, he understands that. 
Mike Miller, eventual parts, he understands Sean Marion. Now, these are guys that don't play. Don't get me wrong. But now you, their experience oozes off on other guys. And I think that's how that game started last night, that Cleveland was a little more calm, you know, ready for the situation, whereas Golden State just didn't know what to expect. And you see the Cavs jump out to a 10-point lead. But, you know, Golden State was able to neutralize that with one of those 10- to 12-0 runs that they have. And I think going forward, that'll be huge. For game two, that'll be huge. How how do the Cavs, you know, neutralize that run that's coming? Because you know it's going to happen at some point. But you have to be able to withstand that. And and it's like a boxing match. You know, you got to take that blow. And if you can survive that blow, you'll give yourself a chance to win the game. And, you know, the Cavs gave themselves a chance to win the game last night. Call on Mavdoff's travel. Uh Mm -hmm. I think J.R. Smith not knowing personnel to end the half when Iguodala gets the steal. You got to know that you can foul Iguodala because right. he can't shoot free throws. These are all, all the little things that, that you have to pick up on. And, you know, I, I think we'll see a different cast in game two. So what happens in game two? Who wins? I, I, I'll go with Cleveland. And if, if okay. they do win game two, then everything is uh, back to normal. We got a steal on the road and in the words of Terry Porter, we're going back to the crib. <laughs> and we all know what, what happened when he went back to the crib, though. He lost those three games. <laughs> <laughs> true, true indeed. <laughs> so you like the Cavaliers to win, and ultimately, ultimately you see it going back to Cleveland tied at one. I do, I do. What kind of game does LeBron have? Uh, you know, I, I don't think he has to have a 44-point game. But I, I think it, it's got to be something along the lines of 30, 10, and 12. Okay. You know, okay. which are, are crazy numbers, but for LeBron James, that's that's waking up in his sleep. He, he's that good. And, and, you know, here's here's also the reality of you, you just look at the NBA Finals, and I think we talked about this before, but the final four teams, the Hawks were banged up, the Rockets were banged up, the Cavaliers were banged up, and the only team that's not banged up is the Golden State Warriors, and that might be the reason they ultimately win a title. And you know that's yeah, it's but you know what? That that that's not their fault, right? That's for sure. Not their, and, and it's it's like a conversation I had with a friend of mine this week. The war, and you and I have had this conversation on your show as well. The Warriors won sixty-seven games this year. What? Why aren't they mentioned in you know one of the top four teams of, of all time? Because they don't have a quote-unquote Hall of Famer. Well. You know, the the book is still being written by, you know, Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson. Uh, and, and I'll even say this. Uh, nobody's talking about Draymond Green, and, and he's found his niche. And not to say he's a Hall of Famer, but he's a special player. Harrison Barnes knows his role. He, he's a special player. You know, so I, I think that the fact that nobody mentions that Golden State won 67 games this year, it's a, it's a little disheartening. You, you know, uh, if they were the 170, would we be talking about them as the second greatest team behind that 72 Bulls win team? I don't know. But it's something to think about. For sure, for sure. So, at the end of the day, Cavaliers go back to Cleveland, tie 1-1, and according to you, should be interesting, man. I'm looking forward to game number two. And, and I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it, it, it still won't be a great series, but – 
when Kyrie Irving was there, this had the makings of, 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 of a special series. And I'm saying, not saying it won't be a special series, but it had the makings of a special series with Kyrie Irving there. But let me ask you just one quick thing before we get out of here. Legacy-wise, and, you know, LeBron James, if he finds some way to pull this off, how much does this enhance his legacy? Because, obviously, Golden State's the better team from top to bottom. Cleveland doesn't have, you know, two of their top three players are in suits at this point in time. So what does this do for the legacy of LeBron James if he somehow, some way, pulls this off? If he wins the title this year, he would be the greatest player of all time. This gives him GOAT status. There's no no debate to you know, you, you look at this Cavaliers team, and people will say, well, who is he playing with? You know, and, and that's not fair to those guys because, like I said, I think the the guys that he has on this team now, they're better than that Sixers team that Iverson had. Hell, they're better <laughs> than that team that LeBron had when he lost to the Spurs in the finals the first go-round. You know, but just looking at what he's had to, to go through, besides – Michael Jordan, there hasn't been a more scrutinized athlete in the history of sports. Like everything LeBron does is picked apart. You know, from the way he walks in to the arena with, with Damon Jones, who, by the way, I'm convinced Damon Jones is just hanging out with LeBron just so he doesn't get chastised for being dunked on. I don't, I don't get it. But, but you know, shout out to Damon Jones. But um, no, if if LeBron wins a championship with this team, he will he will be the greatest of all time. He's already in the top five of all time, but this would put him at number one by far. I'll, I'll say this: this starts the conversation because I don't think at this point in time the conversation really should start. But I think if he pulls this off, I think this starts the conversation in terms of him, you know, possibly being the greatest of all time. I mean, I hope he does it. I really do because I like to have this conversation moving forward. But I hope he does it. We'll see what happens. It should be a lot of fun. Marlon, pleasure talking to you, man. You know, work on that golf game. Get that golf game right, (laughs) and let's do this again. No problem. I I will, and as always, thanks for having me, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Marlon Gill, assistant basketball coach, Ryder University. Brittany Kreiner, I mean – this has been a, a whirlwind week for her, up and down. I mean, was it yesterday? You know, she, she, you know, him, her, and her, him, her, and her wife. You know, Gloria Johnson of the Tulsa Shock. Well, they talked about yesterday that she was pregnant, and and you know she was going to miss the season because she got pregnant and. You know, Johnson was talking, quote, and, and, you know, it's always been a dream of mine to start a family with someone I love. You know, being a professional athlete that plays year-round, there's never a perfect time to get pregnant without putting my career on hold. The entire process from learning our fertility options to make a sacrifice necessary nine months before the child was born is merely preparing me to become a great wife and even better mother. Now it's a divorce. I mean, uh, Brittany Griner, they only been married, what, 29 days? And she's looking to annul the marriage. You know, and and here's her statement, quote, Last Wednesday, Glory and I agreed to either legally separate, get divorced, or annul our marriage. 
I can confirm that today I filed for an annulment. In the week prior to the wedding, I attempted to postpone the wedding several times until I completed counseling, but I still went through with it. I now realize that was a mistake. Gloria Johnson, she responded. You know, she told TMZ she was blindsided, extremely hurt. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, you know, here's the thing. I don't know what they worked out here. I don't know what they talked about. But now, Glory Johnson, you know, they decide to have a baby together. And and now, Glory Johnson is the one who's going to have to carry the baby for nine months. She's going to have to miss a whole WNBA season. And now she's going to be a single mother, I guess, at this point, because Brittany Griner wants to annul the marriage. And Brittany Griner said, that she was talking about doing this. They talked about this last week, last Wednesday, she said in her statement. Well, yesterday you said that, you know, you guys are pregnant yesterday. You guys announced that you were pregnant. Now, today, you guys are divorced. You know, you're you're looking to annoy your marriage. She's got to be a Kardashian. She's got to be a Kardashian. I mean, this, this, this is, this is, this is crazy. If you discussed this last Wednesday, why would you even talk about, you know, you, you know, you guys wanted to start a family, be happy, so on and so forth? Well, I mean, what, what, what is it, – it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And if you had these feelings, you know, you should probably, you know, did the right thing and not marry her if you felt like you didn't want to do it or you needed more time. You probably should have took more time until you worked out your your issues, whatever that may be. And here's the thing. Also, in an article published by Sports Illustrated, she, uh, uh, Glory Johnson was saying that she was the victim in that altercation between her and Brittany Griner. Quote, I'm not going to throw Brittany under the bus, and she's not going to throw me under the bus. But what the WNBA did not say in the statements they released was that I pled not guilty. That's what she said. So for them to release a statement saying that we both were guilty in the situation is not right. It's not correct. Brittany pled guilty. Brittany understands why I pled not guilty, and I understand why she pled guilty. She was even willing to speak to whoever she needed to to get the point across. Bottom line, this, this, this is a messy situation. This is a crazy situation, and, and this is a situation that's just, very Kardashian-like, very Kim Kardashian-like. I mean, her and Chris Humphreys, I, I, don't know, I think, what, 60 days or something their marriage lasted? Something like that. Maybe even a little more. But it, it, whatever. But 28 days and you figure out that you don't want to be married, that that's just doesn't make sense. And now, you know, Glory Johnson's going to be a single mother and, uh, Brittany Griner, you know, it's like I don't know how to, I don't know how they're going to work it out, and I don't know. But it, this is this is messy, this is crazy, this is interesting, this is very Kardashian-like. Again, why announce the pregnancy? Why make it seem like you were happy when you were unhappy? I mean, you made it seem like you were happy just what two days, a few days ago, yesterday, and now today. You're unhappy. You're annulling the marriage. 
you're breaking up, your marriage is over. Interesting, crazy, and we'll see what happens moving forward with Brittany Griner and Glory Johnson. But now Glory Johnson misses a year of basketball. So, you know, if she didn't know this, obviously she's blindsided big time. She, like she said, she said she was blindsided, but now it's got to hurt even more because now she's not playing basketball for a year, and she supposedly wanted to raise her kid with a particular, with a, a person that she loves, with the person that she loves, and that person was supposed to be Brittany Griner. Well, they're going to play each other too as well. I mean, she, at, at some point, Griner's in the WNBA, Glory Johnson's in the WNBA. Wow, that's an interesting – it makes for a great storyline, quite frankly, and WNBA needs every little storyline it can get. I want to thank Damari Carroll for stopping by. Uh, make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at Damari Carroll1, and support all the great things going on with Damari Carroll. Also want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by, Ryan University assistant basketball coach. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin. You can hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash goforitgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can hit us up on Twitter at goforitgant as well. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend. See you next week. Take care. Bye.